0: So, um, growing up in the United States um, my concept of hope was not something that developed as a result of intense challenges in my life. Um, I had access to education, uh, family in the church which kept me safe uh, friends who shared the same secure upbringing Um, If you asked me what I hoped for at that time I would have responded Um, I wanted to get a college degree and a decent paying job and have a wife and kids and be some kind of professional in my career. If you asked me about the hope I had in my Christianity, I would have said something about my belief in Jesus, but that belief in Jesus was really something that just reinforced those desires for success in my life. Um, He was the person I could call on from time to time when I needed to be really sure that none of those things were jeopardized. It was also really easy for me to assume that I had this kind of innate specialness to God, which meant that he would always keep me safe. But what I avoided asking was the fundamental the fundamental question: why should I prosper while other people are suffering? Because I wasn't really close enough to the suffering of others to consider them as my own. I believe that if we are to have hope, it has to be a hope that acknowledges that. For every time we feel our lives are blessed by God in some way, there's someone out there who is calling on God who receives no response. And for them, God appears to be silent in the face of their tragedy. But I think this is the same silence that Jesus confronted when he went to his death. His friends betrayed him. Um, No one came to his aid. Any earthly hope he had was cut off. It appeared that even his father turned his back him. In that moment, When we look at tragedies around the world and the suffering of those both near and far to us, we're confronted by that same apparent silence, and we're forced to acknowledge that our God is not one who rescues us from suffering, but rather one who suffers right alongside us. And I think this is actually more beautiful than a hope that God will fortunately keep some of us safe and allow others to be exposed to danger. Because this hope is in a God who not only suffered as we inevitably will, but who loved us abundantly and compels us to love as well. Amen.
1: change of their expectations in Ashton, and it's appropriate that we remember her this week because this past Thursday was Holocaust Remembrance Day, and this year is the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II. And it is really amazing to believe, to remember that it has been that long, In that it seems like it must have been longer and then it couldn't have been that long. And that we still can't really make sense Mm -hmm. of what happened. And it's hard still to not be paralyzed by the weight of what happened. But Eddie, Eddie Hillison. Mm -hmm. Michael Downey, who is an author and, you know, one of those people who writes the things on the back of the book to tell you how great it is. This is what he says about Eddie. Eddie Hillism discovered beauty amidst atrocity. Utterly alert to mystery, she faced the truth without flinching. She lived in hope. Without a trace of resentment or self pity, as the world around her was crumbling, her life was poured out as balm for all the wounds. The sense of hope and peace that Eddie experienced came from her deep and profound relationship with God. This was something that she developed over the last few years of her life. She was introduced to the Bible, as we know it, and to St. Augustine by a friend in 1941. And she came to understand God more deeply through these writings than she had through all the Jewish studies that she had done up to that point, which might have been fairly secular. As we think about what hope means and about what peace means, I'd like to share with you an Easter story—story story of Jesus appearing to his disciples later in the day of the resurrection. And kids, kids. <laughs> To what Jesus said and all of you pay attention to the gift that he gives and how he gives this gift so I'm reading from the book of John in the 20th chapter starting with verse 19 on that same evening resurrection Sunday followers gathered together behind locked doors in fear that some of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were still searching for them. Out of nowhere, Jesus appeared in the center of the room. The room with locked doors. It's kind of (coughs) sci-fi. Jesus said, May each one of you be at peace. As he was speaking, he revealed the wounds in his hands and his side. The disciples began to celebrate as it sank in that they were really seeing the Lord. same way the father sent me, I am now sending you. Now he drew close enough to each of Or withhold forgiveness. I want you to imagine for a minute Jesus being so. it's not based on everything around the disciples being hunky-dory because they are still afraid with reason that they may face the same fate as Jesus. Peace be with you. Now back to Eddie. Eddie was a her through simple things such as the jasmine growing in the garden outside her house. And even though she only experienced these things alone, these experiences did not send her into seclusion, though she was teased and she herself talked about the desire to join the nunnery, to just live in this place. Experiences of God. But instead, these experiences sent her to care for those with the greatest need. Through a connection, Eddie received a role on the Jewish Council, which was a role of privilege, which was a role that the Nazis used to manipulate all of the Jews to organize them, to send them to their house. And Eddie understood this position and was uncomfortable with it in many ways. But as soon as the opportunity was made available, Eddie requested to join the team that provided social welfare for people Which meant she would help people move from Amsterdam to Westport, which was a transit camp. And from there, they went to Auschwitz. And she worked with compassion. And loving care to dress people to get them ready to give them as much hope as she could in those moments before they left their whole lives behind and moved into a scary, fearful, awful future. And she traveled to the camp and back to Amsterdam again and again and again. She knew reality. I'd like to share some of her words with you. I often see visions of poisonous green smoke. I am with the hungry, with the ill-treated and the dying. the sky beyond my window. There is room for everything in a single life. For belief in God and for a miserable end. When I say I have come to terms with life, I do not mean I have lost hope. What I feel is not hopeless. Far from it. I have lived this life a thousand times over already, and I have died a thousand deaths. Am I a blasé then? No. It is a question of living life from minute to minute and taking suffering into the bargain. And it is certainly no small bargain. But does it matter if it is the Inquisition that causes people to suffer in one century and war and pogroms in another? To suffer senselessly, as the victims would put it? Suffering has always been with us. Does it really matter in what form it comes? All that matters is how we bear it and how we fit it into our lives. And so, I can sit for hours, and know everything, and bear everything, and grow stronger in the bearing of it, and at the same time feel sure that life is beautiful and worth living and meaningful, despite everything. But that does not mean I am always filled with joy. Something inside me that will never desert me. that life is beautiful and worth living and meaningful, always, is a message of hope from one of the darkest times in the history of the world. The circumstances in which we find ourselves don't give us achieve something but that there is hope I went to bed early last night, and from my bed I stared out through the large open window, and it was once more as if life with all its mysteries was close to me, as if I could touch it. I had the feeling that I was resting against the naked heart of life,
0: and I could feel her gentle
1: and regular heartbeat. Safe and protected. And I thought, how strange. It is wartime. There are concentration camps. I can say of so many of the houses I pass, here the son has been thrown into prison, there the father has been taken hostage. And an 18 year old boy. And that house over there has been sentenced to death. And these streets and houses are all so close to my own. I know how very nervous people are. I know about the mounting human suffering. I know the persecution and oppression and despotism and the impotent fury and the terrible sadism. I know it all. And yet, at unguarded moments, when left to myself, I suddenly lie against the naked heart of life, and her arms round me are so gentle and so protective, and my own heartbeat is difficult to describe. So slow, and so regular, and so soft, almost constant, as if it would never stop. That is also my attitude to life, and I believe that neither war nor any other senseless human atrocity will ever had periods of time when she was so sick that she was unable to tend to the needy in Westerbork and she had to stay in her own bed for days, even months. She felt so badly neglecting her people. But she was never open to any. For her to share the fate of her people, she would say. She was committed to that. And she went to Westerborg herself and then to Auschwitz with her family. She writes When I simply live for the day, things start to go wrong start to go wrong with me, sooner or later. At such times, the meaning of life escapes me. I must not lose touch with the undercurrent. The highest and best I can hope for is that of being at rest in oneself. There is nothing else. If I go in search of it outside of myself, let go of myself, of my soul, as it were, then I am. I believe, comes from God. It's not something we go searching for. It's something that comes to us, like Jesus came to the disciples, even behind the lock. It's something that comes from outside of us, but it dwells in us. Sometimes difficult, but it's always possible. Finding a heart for the needs of the world, the needs around us, helps us to dwell in the heart of God. And he says, sometimes the most important. eight